powder dream, cowboys. Welcome back to another episode of the Westworld Fan Podcast Western Movie Club. Today's movie, How the West Was Fun, starring Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, directed and written by a bunch of nobodies. I'm James. And I'm Ryan, slash that was mean. <laughs> and and this is the Westworld oh, yeah, Podcast. No. Oh yeah, I forgot. I, I got so thrown off by how mean you were to those people. I was, I was trying to make you laugh in the intro. <laughs> and, and in fact, you just infuriated me. And this <laughs> is the Westworld Podcast. Yeah, it's good to have a, a joke intro, because this is a joke of a movie. But uh, just in case you're new to the Western Movie Club, we're a Westworld fan podcast, but uh, Westworld is in happening for, I want to say, 18 months or so? Westworld is like that girl that you meet at summer camp, and then she's like, next year when you come back to summer camp, we're going to be back together. And then you come back the next year, and it turns out there wasn't even a summer camp to begin with. So tonight's movie is a Mary-Kate and Ashley vehicle. There was a time in the 90s when... Mary Kate and Ashley were like their own franchise. Like they were people, but then they were also a franchise. And you can understand that pretty straightforward when you watch this movie, when in the middle of the movie, you're listening to the soundtrack and you're like, is that Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen singing their own song on their own movie? Gosh dang. You'll remember them best from Full House, if you're an old man like me. We're actually the same age, you and I, basically, as the Olsen twins. They're they're around our same age. How really depressing is that? They're, they are so rich and so famous that they started doing Full House again, and the Olsen twins were like, yeah, no thank you. This movie came out in 1994. I was six years old. There's a good chance I watched it on TV. I don't really remember being six, but I do remember watching a lot of TV. I, I may I may have caught this and just forgot about it. I have seen Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen movies. I I feel like uh, there's one where like they're not playing sisters; they're just kids that look really similar. And one's rich and one's poor, so it's kind of like the Prince and the Popper, but Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. <laughs> and I think I saw, ironically, I'm pretty sure I've seen a New York Minute, which stars them and Eugene Levy. I've seen this movie. I saw most of the Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen vehicles when I was a kid. I was a huge fan of Full House. I remember my favorite Mary-Kate and Ashley video slash movie was the one where they were thinking that the house across the street from them was haunted. But as it turns out, it was just a beekeeper who lived inside and had weird lights. Which, like, I mean, why you have bees inside? I guess it's the winter. But, uh... I remember that one vividly. And then also, this one is absolute. I watched this when I was a kid. I didn't remember watching it as a kid until we were, like, actually rolling, and I was into the movie, and I met the villain, and I was like, oh, this guy who plays all those other characters that are weird and so many other things. But, and as we start to dive into what, how the West was fun was, which, on some, like, really cool levels, it's one, like, a little bit of a parody, not really a parody, like a genuine parody, so they don't know they're in a parody, of a Western movie. So we kind of get to see what they do with all of the tropes within Westerns. 
but also like the tropes of having a twin movie and also the tropes of having a Mary Kate and Ashley movie all rolled into one. And then also right from the very beginning, now that, and if you've been with us for the last whatever amount of weeks and you've watched these four Western movies and you've watched Westworld after watching so many Westerns, I think I'm over James. The rich evil man takes our land storyline but also, I don't think I can be over it because I think it's like one of the mainstays of what reality was in the West. So I get that it's like the, the main conflict in most of these movies. But do you know what I mean? Like, this is like the fifth movie, or the, it's the fifth movie in a row with the same exact baseline plot, which is rich white man coming to take my land. Right, or in Aliens versus Cowboys, it was like, aliens coming to take our land, basically. By the way, spoiler alert, when we rank these later, this movie will be above Cowboys and Aliens for me. <laughs> um, even Westworld, to a certain degree, it's like, oh, the board's gonna come and take my land away. Exactly, yeah, it's all, it's all the white rich man is gonna come take it. And also, when you watch all these westerns, Something else I didn't really look forward to and know was going to happen was we can also, and we should, rate each movie we've watched based on how racist it is against Native Americans. Because almost every one of them is at least slightly racist against Native Americans. And uh, How the West Was Fun was no exception. Our movie begins with a dream sequence both twins are having this dream at the same time about a wild west shootout with some bandit yeah they're both in white hats in amazing little costumes the other guy is in a black hat and a black bandana so he's obviously the bad guy and they won't draw on each other those twins say you have to draw first and and the fever dream ends with no you no you no you. And oh, and, they, and the, the the black hat says an important line. He says, this place ain't big enough for the three of us. Yeah. You pull unless you're yeller. They basically say every line you can ever say in a dream. And then you're right. They both wake up and apparently they both dream the same thing. They have twin, like they have twin thought. Uh, and that's been established now. They get woken up by their dad, Steven. And they chalk the whole thing up to the fact that they had eaten cheese before bed. Listen, you can't do it. This is in reality. We're not talking about this movie right now. We're talking about me and you, audience, okay? Don't eat cheese before bed. It's it's it you think it's gonna be fine. It never is. Steven uh takes a bus to work. He works in the city. I'm pretty sure this movie's supposed to take place in America, but there's a Canadian flag in the middle of the shot. They should have used a different one. Yeah, they almost definitely just, like, shot it in Vancouver because it's really cheap to do that there. And they didn't really specify what city they were in. They just said, like, in later in the movie that they were driving to the Old West. But, yeah, it's supposed to be in some sort of city. The father is going into it. He's an insurance claim adjuster. And right when we meet him in his work life, we meet his uh, boss, who he calls the Dragon, who's just, like, not a nice lady. Yeah, he calls her the Dragon Lady, which is actually a reference to uh, 
uh, during the Vietnam War, the the installed president's wife was like a really imposing political figure who was known as the Dragon Lady, and I guess that's the comparison they're drawing. But yeah, he's trying to claim insurance for a blind old lady, and his boss won't pay out because of some kind of technicality. Yeah, she said she didn't install the deadbolt, so that's her problem, and then the insurance problem is not paying anybody. And then when she walks away, he stands up and like tries to get support from his coworkers. Like, do you see this? Do you see what she's doing to a blind lady? And then they don't even look at him. He's like, okay, guys, thanks for your support. Really helpful. The end of that, by the way, is that Steve is a good guy. That was what that scene was for. To let us know that Steve is a great guy. When he gets home, they find an anonymous letter addressed to their mom. Her, the mom who hasn't really been addressed yet at this point. The letter says that the dude ranch where their mom grew up is in trouble and they should come immediately. Don't call. Just come. Yeah, that's super weird. The mom hasn't been addressed and it's a Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen movie, so you have to assume, like in Full House, she's dead. <laughs> um, And Steve comes up with the groceries and he's like, oh no, I forgot the milk. I have to go get it. And maybe we'll go to the dude ranch, but I can't really, dudes, because I have a job. Yeah, the twins want to go to the dude ranch. Steve says that the dragon lady won't allow it. Now, up to this point, it had not been clearly addressed that the dragon lady was the boss yet. So I thought that he was just, like, shit-talking their mom in front of his daughters the whole time, calling her the dragon lady. I'm glad that's not the case. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm. I'm glad that now in this moment you were able to infer that it's only the old lady, and that the most likely deceased wife is just not a bad person. They call the boss and they leave a message with her secretary, saying that the dad wants to take his vacation days starting tomorrow to go on a long trip. The secretary literally laughs in their face, and they're like, "Oh, good, he's laughing. That's a good sign." And they hang up. But when we the audience knows, like, that laugh actually means, like, ha 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 ha, that's gonna go poorly. I just want to take a moment to address that the Olsen twins, I know they're only, like, seven or eight. They're really bad actors. Like, holy shit. Yeah, as it turns out, when you just take some twins off the street and put them in a TV show as babies, and you don't teach them how to act, you just, like, sort of assume they'll figure it out eventually, they, um, don't. And their their voices are really high-pitched, and they, like, swallow a lot of their lines, which makes it hard to understand what they're saying sometimes. Like, I had to put shit... I had to rewind a little bit every now and then, because I had no idea what they had said in that moment. They're especially bad at saying other characters' names, but we'll get to that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're that bad. For being seven years old, I think they were fine. And at the end of the day, when you take all of the actors in this movie and you put them up against the wall, I honestly believe they're not the worst ones, and they hold their own. No, they're not. We'll get we'll get there. We'll get there. So as they're packing, they get a, a phone call from the Dragon Lady, and they let it go to the answering machine. This was a... They had a whole machine dedicated to voicemail, guys. It's okay. crazy. So back in the early 90s... Voicemail didn't just transcribe on your phone. You had to leave words. You had to use your words. It was a whole other time back then. 
The dragon lady's like, yeah, go ahead and take your vacation days and then take the rest of your life because you're fucking fired, asshole. A permanent vacation. <laughs> like that. So Steven comes home and they're like, hey, guess what? Your boss gave you the time off you wanted. And they play the first part of the message where he gets the time off, but not the second part where he gets fired. And he just buys that sight unseen. He's like, yep, sounds reasonable to me. Let's go. Yeah. And the girls feel bad about it. But they're also like, we have to go to the ranch for no reason. So had to happen. We get the opening credits and it's a road trip montage. Driving out of the city, bunch of stuff on top of the car. We're going into the country with country music blaring behind us, western style lettering and editing. That's uh, not the song, but it should have been. And then they arrive at Rafter 6 Dude Ranch, which is a stupid name for a dude ranch. They should have come up with something better. Really dumb. Literally any other name would have been good. You just can make up cool names like Mustang Ranch. Done. That would have been better. The ranch itself is actually really big and cool looking. They, they picked a good location for this. I would want to stay there. Yeah, it looks actually fantastic. As the girls enter the ranch, they ask like what the smell is to Steve. And he was like, <laughs> that's fresh air. It's not James. It's poop. Yeah, that's that's horse shit, which I'm sure permeates every part of their life while they're there. Absolutely. As soon as they arrive, they see a pretty woman practicing stunt horse riding off uh, in the field. Their new mom, right? The moment you saw her, you were like, oh, that's new mom. I don't know what she's going to be, but Steve is going to try his best. And and if he does succeed, which is an Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen movie, so this can't not succeed. Uh, that's their new mom. Uh, they approach her, and she in- introduces herself as Laura Forrester. And she's a local rodeo performer who practices at the ranch. Yeah, she's dubbed really badly. A few characters are dubbed really badly in a few, like, different places, which is odd. The dad starts making dad jokes immediately, trying to hit on her. By the way, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen's name are Jessica and Susie. I don't know if that's at all. Like, I don't know if that matters at all. It probably doesn't. Probably just know them as Mary-Kate and Ashley. And then he's hitting on this lady, the Laura Forrester girl. And it's not really working, because he's not good at it. Yeah, and I wonder why they dubbed her, because surely their bar for acting couldn't have been that high that she needed dubbing, but she is dubbed, and the woman who dubbed her voice, I think, is probably the best actor in the movie, best female actor for sure. Oh, absolutely. And as the father really tries to lean in and and make a good first impression, she's like, oh, by the way, you're standing in poop. (laughs) Wah, wah. Yeah. Just, just then, they get approached by Native American ranch hand George, and God help me, I, the movie actually got a laugh out of me at this point. Uh, he's like, oh wow, are you a real Indian? When I was a kid, we used to play cowboys and, and uh, cowboys and Germans, and I legitimately laughed. Yeah, that was an actually good part. Right after something that was super racist, which is right when George the Indian came on screen. And then, by the way, um, the one of the girls is like, you're an Indian, right? And the other girl is like, you're supposed to say Native American. So it was during this time in which the PC shift was occurring. And, and I wrote down, mysterious Indian appears with creepy Indian music in the background. Racist? Question mark? Almost definitely. 
there's a good exchange when they meet him. They're like, is your name Running Bull or something? He's like, well, what are your names? Jessica and Susie, probably. And they're like, yeah. Yeah, that is it. And he's like, good, I'm George. George brings them to their accommodations and says that tonight they'll get to meet their grandmother and also their uncle Bart. Okay, here's this thing. Is this their grandmother? Is it for real? Because they keep calling her Natty, which is, I guess, not grandma. And they've never met her. How? How have they never met this person? I just assume they're definitely related. Their mom grew up at this ranch. It could just be. It could just be a family friend. I like. I I think it, that it's supposed to be their grandma, but I like wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't trust them, or I don't trust that story at all. Because how could they be this old and never meet her? It's tough to get past. Natty Natty is either their grandmother or their great aunt. Yeah, I have, I'm I, for sure something which like makes that. Bart either their uncle or their second cousin once removed. Anyway, yeah. the twins are annoyed by the rustic lodging and the lack of a microwave and a television. Well, one one of them's more annoyed than the other. I can never differentiate between these two little girls, but one of them is supposed to be, like, the straight man and the other one's the heel. And they have that dynamic sometimes, but I, I can't keep them straight. Yeah. And so I don't know who's who. The one that's supposed to be the straight man, like, wears jeans and denim all the time. And the one that's supposed to be the heel wears the dresses. She's also the girly girl versus the tomboy. They're they're doing so many tropes at once, it's hard to keep track of them. They ask about the wood-burning stove in the kitchen, and then there's no TV. And we're kind of in this moment uh, with this movie teaching children that it, back in the Old West, there weren't those kind of things. You can actually tell in this movie there are a few times where they're just teaching kids things, and this was one of them. That night, or well, they go to eat dinner, but it's broad daylight. They meet Natty, who is either their grandmother or great aunt or some stranger. An older <laughs> woman who loves them very much. Yeah, she's overjoyed to meet them, their uncle and or second cousin Bart, played by uh, comedic character actor Martin Mull who's been in a lot of different things. If you're an American Dad fan like me, he's the priest in American Dad, recurring and, character. And if you're a Sabrina the Teenage Wish fan like me, he's the principal. Uh, he, he, Bart, their uncle or whatever, is very uh, casual. He's like, yep, hey. Yeah, and uh, Natty said that, he, that she did not get any letters that Steve sent her because Steve sent her a letter to tell her the bad news that Sarah had died and she hadn't been getting any letters and immediately you're like you don't get letters out here someone's probably hiding those letters from you I bet it's the bad guy right so they must be related otherwise why would Steve send her a letter when Sarah died and her reaction is Sarah's dead oh no like not not sad enough right (laughs) Like, not nearly sad enough. Yeah, like, she didn't even cry. Um, through some exposition, it's revealed that the ranch isn't really doing so well financially, and Bart hopes to convince his mom to sell the land to pay off a massive back tax they owe to the IRS. Really riveting kids movie stuff. Yeah, white man coming to take our land, don't have enough money to to pay for it. It's a Western trope. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's hard 
to watch this movie just real straight because they're just pushing every trope they can down your throat. And whatever. They have 10 days until the lawman, no, the bank man tries to come get it. Bart says people don't come to ranches anymore. They go to amusement parks, things people actually like. And then he's like, why don't you sign the deed right now, mom? Well, and you can hang out with all these delightful urchins all you want, which is like not a way for a good guy to describe characters. It's definitely a way for a bad guy to describe characters. Not very subtle movie. The next day they get to meet a horse named Lightning and they follow it into the woods. Eventually, they reach a wigwam out in the clearing, and George, who I guess followed them, tells them that this was their mom's secret place. They're like, you knew her? And he's like, very well. Oh, Why? He so. seems like the same age that her their mom should have been. They were probably the same age. It's just weird. No, I'm just saying that George is probably their real father. Oh, my God. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, I have no doubt in my mind, right? Or at least George was probably Sarah's original lover. You know, he probably taught her romance. Everything she knew. Physicality, yeah. Right. And the twins are still different. One wears jeans, one wears a dress. They are different. You have to know that. When they're inside, they go inside the wigwam and then they come back out and, like, George has disappeared. And then they play a very condescending, like, like, Indian (laughs) magic song. And I was like, God damn. Well, how ra- that's so racist. <laughs> like it's it's racist because how dare you do that to George? He just rode away on his bike, and you were like magic. George has actually been in a number of Western movies, not George, but the actor who plays him. Uh, he plays Native Americans in lots of westerns, so he's actually one of the few actors in this movie who's like still working. So good for him. Nice, George. Good job. In the wigwam, they find some leather pouches containing mysterious stone carvings of animals and their mother's old diary, still intact and in perfect condition after all these years. They adult man, which is when you get on top of another child's shoulders to be very tall and grab stuff off the top. They get emblems. They find, like, pieces of rock that's, like, half an owl and half a bear. They find their mom's diary, too, like, very intimate Uh, And in the diary, their mother calls Bart a fink, uh, and she says that you can get into a secret hiding place with the secret of the bear's mouth. She saw Bart setting a fire, and then, but, uh, you know, their mother saved him from said fire, and Natty and Sarah in the past perhaps wanted to go find the lost gold mine. Basically, this diary is like Exposition City, and they're also... Their mother wrote a beautiful tribute to animals and mountains, and it also must be kept this way. Their mother said so. Can't lose the ranch. Their mother said so. You can't do something that your dead mother tells you to do. Or you have to do it. You have to. It's like written in stone. Yeah, Sarah's an anti-Semite. She calls uh, Bart a fink. Yep. Which is a a Jewish slur. An obvious Jewish slur. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. Well, she, she grew up on a ranch, so we know how she rules. Um, no, no, I don't know how she rolls, James. I will not pretend to understand how she rolls. She's dead. They run back to the ranch because they see black smoke off in the distance. Another fire, like from before. Yeah, they just read about fires, and now there's a fire, and they're like, what if it's, what if it's Bart, that fink? Exactly. They find Bart burning a bunch of documents, 
they back to the future trick him. They're like, look over there. And they read some of the papers and they discover that Bart is the reason behind the ranch's recent lack of guests. And they run away to bring one of the letters as evidence to Natty. Right. And that also proves in that moment that the letter telling Natty about Sarah's death was also, you know, thrown away by Bart. In this, Why? I don't, because he's a meanie. He's so mean, and <laughs> and he's just a mean guy. Also, um, in this scene, there was that one part, James, did you notice when the pieces of paper were up in the air and Bart was trying to get them? They went back and forth between the shot of Bart trying to get the piece of paper and the piece of paper in the air for like a minute, for like too long, with like fun Western music in the background while he's burning the letters of patrons and ruining his mother's life. Like, like come on, get that piece of paper, ruining my mom's life. So Bart easily catches up with them because they're like three feet tall and right. he's he, an adult. He has like big <laughs> legs. Uh, he threatens them, I guess, with violence. It's not really clear. And sort he of. tells them to leave the ranch. Yeah, but also he falls in mud slow motion, James. You forgot about that. And then he also says, this ranch isn't big enough for the three of us. At which point they look at each other and they're like, the dream. The dream. <laughs> and he's covered in mud because he slow-mo fell in it. And it was so crazy, dude. They get interrupted by George, who kind of saves them. He offers to give them horse riding lessons. They tell him what's up, and he's like, oh, Natty will never believe you. She always thinks of Bart in the best light, and he, he'll, she'll never think that he betrayed her unless you bring up some evidence. When they go to lunch, Bart is like, have these little whippersnappers been telling you any crazy stories? You know, just kind of trying to figure out if they have tattled on them kind of like what Dolores kept doing in Westworld when she kept asking if uh when she kept asking William if there's something wrong with her she wasn't really kind of looking for if there was anything wrong with her she was just sort of looking to see if he had noticed yet like that is what he is doing right now perfect comparison James 100% and then they make uh the little girls make crazy faces at Bart during dinner it's classic George thinks it's hilarious Natty goes, uh, keeps telling us how she started the ranch and that there, one day where there were presidents here and kings and lots of ordinary folks too. And then like the little girls were like, you could just get another loan, Natty. And she's like, that's a good idea. And I was like, how did she not think of this prior? How did two six-year-olds have to tell her this idea for her to be like, Eureka. Yeah. So Natty runs off to get a subprime mortgage. For her ranch. With the help of two little girls. Bart's like, well, you know, I already did everything to save the ranch. And she's not listening. She's, you know, they lit a fire under her and she's off to save the ranch. She takes the twins to investigate the things they would need to fix up to get the ranch going again. At this point, I feel like there's like an innuendo joke. I think there's a couple of these in the movie. (laughs) They're like, I wonder where dad is. And the other twin's like, with Laura, learning to ride. Oh, I hope he's not too fast. Is that a premature ejaculation joke in this movie? Like, I mean, I did it like it when I heard it. I didn't think to myself, oh, gosh, what a weird, crass sex joke in the (laughs) in the Olsen's movie. But now that you say that, James, definitely. Because he's like, oh, he's with Laura learning to ride. Oh, I hope he's not too fast. Like, Yeah, and then they cut to them and they're at a picnic. I was like, they're not even riding. Weird. 
Yeah, they they talk about adulthood and they flirt a little bit. It's not interesting. I mean, at one point he was like, since Sarah died. So there was that sentence, you know, since Sarah died, my life is bad. And, right, they, and, and you then, think it's going to be have any kind of emotion, but no. No, not really. It's kind of, they're forcing this, like, they're forcing this new mom thing a little too hard. And then she's just like, you've done a good job raising those two little girls. And then he did the, like, they've been raising me. Ugh. Okay, fine, whatever. And then she was like, when do you start feeling grown up? And she's like, I ride horses for a circus. So, not circus, ranch, whatever. So I'm not grown up. And then she says uh, that he's funny. And he says, I am. And then she says, but insecure. Which I like as a joke. I was like, I like that she was like, you're an insecure human being. <laughs> that he, she just told him that. Bart enters their family's cabin and he steals Steven's business card and he also steals his pocket change. Yeah, breaking and entering. He steals a coin. Why? He's a fink. He says penny saved is a penny earned. Wait, is that like, that feels like, (laughs) oh, now that I think about that, that's awful, (laughs) right? That's really awful. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Well, he says a penny saved is a penny earned, and then he steals a nickel. I'm like, dude, come on. There were pennies there. Yeah, just take the penny. Now that I think about that, boy, oh boy. Yeah, there's some subtext here. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus Christ. So, Natty and the twins are shoveling some horse shit. (laughs) They try to question her about Bart and the fire, but she, she refuses to think badly about him. Later on, Bart reveals to Steven that he's currently unemployed because he calls he calls the dragon lady and gets the news. At first, Steven is angry, but Natty, without missing a beat, she's like, oh, that's fine. You can just come here and work on the ranch. Yeah, you like, can be marketing manager uh, and we can come up with flyer ideas and send them to the top 500 corporations. And she at one point says like to Bart, like, it sounds like you don't want to have the ranch be better, Bart. And I was like, yeah, obviously. If you had just been paying attention to that this whole time, you see Niall, crazy old lady, then this would never have happened. Yeah, Bart's enraged. He reminds Natty that the IRS will be coming to close the ranch soon, or something like that. They go to see a banker who says that the loan is as good as done. It's like, it's, it's you know, for sure. Yeah, you got it. And the banker's like, okay, then... Uh, this loan is pretty much settled, and it's going to be yours, so just start spending your own money. Everything's cool. So Steve literally starts spending all of his money, all the money that he's ever had, to buy a bunch of stuff for the ranch, and then one of the, and then one of a fax comes through for a place called International Ind- Energy Industries. <laughs> International Energy Industries. And they're coming with 25 execs, and I was like, wow, that's a bad slash made-up name. Yeah, he totally buys it, though. He's super happy. Uh, but then he gets a call from the hardware store, and they say that his line of credit has been denied, which apparently means that the bank won't be giving him the loan. And that that whole plot didn't make sense to me. So you're Look- you're in progress of getting a loan from the bank, and so... They've opened you up a line of credit on the assumption that the loan will go through or yeah. something? Yeah, sure. That makes sense. Uh, it's just is like, that, that how that works? Yeah, it's like a credit card for a week until the loan comes through. for, And then you, you add it to the loan, James. Come on. Okay. I figure 
they would either just give you a credit card or not, or they'd give you the loan. Anyway. Not in 94. They go to to see the banker again, or just Steven does. He's really mad. He pushes his way through the secretary. Yeah, he punches her in the throat. He's like, I spent all my goddamn money. I sold my apartment. I sold my car. You know, I broke up with my girlfriend back in Canada. (laughs) This is all I got. And, um... Well, the guy's like, yeah, well, the bank turned down your loan because you don't have any experience running a ranch. You're an insurance salesman. And and the ranch is doing terribly. He's like, well, I got this fax from IEI who said they're coming to have a corporate event at our ranch. So look at that. And then the banker does any amount of homework and gives the place the call. And Mr. Peabody doesn't even exist. International Energy Industries is barely even real. And he's like, okay, well, this has gone on long enough, sir. Please get out of here. And Steve leaves enraged. And then out of the side door comes Bart and the banker and Bart are in cahoots. Yeah, and they laugh maniacally. They do. That's what you do. If you get one over on someone, you got to laugh like an evil person. It's what you do. It's what evil people do. There's an evil people school. It's eight hours a day for like four years. Uh, You have to get to like year three to learn. Never shoot. Always talk first. And then at the end, you see the scene in Good, Bad, and the Ugly where Tuco's like, that's a bad idea. And they tell you at the end, like, you just guys, you guys got pretty gypped. You're the bad guys, so you really can't ever win in movies. Everyone feels bad when that happens. So just, like, keep talking until you die. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, which applies literally. <laughs> the it. twins are exploring the museum, and they're discussing their situation they find a hidden trap door under a bearskin rug, and it, like, leads to a basement, which is, like, Bart's man cave. While they're doing this, one of them asks, do you think Dad likes Laura? And then the other one goes, oh, yeah, he's head over heels. Like, and they don't really care at all. They, it's such a brush. They brush past it so much, which is so odd for what happens later. Remember now that they seem to not care at all about... Laura and Steve are like be have at least a positive feeling about it which is weird because that's not what happens either way they go down into Bart's workshop they're like this is naughty and wrong let's go for it we're rebels without a cause down there they find a big model amusement park and I what I think is a framed picture of a Nazi officer absolutely but he's supposed to be Jewish. I don't know. Whatever. He's a bad guy. They're trying to throw everyone that? off the scent. Yeah, I have, who I, was that in the portrait? I have I, no idea. I don't know who that was in the portrait. I also don't know if they were Nazis. That might be a leap. Yeah, so he's got this plan for a theme park where the ranch is going to be. And that's why he's trying to get his mom to sign the deed over to him. Which doesn't really fit with what we've learned so far. Earlier, Bart had said that he was trying to get Natty to sell the ranch, not sign it over to him. Signing the ranch over to him is not going to solve the situation with the IRS coming for the the ranch, but whatever. This is the, Now the plot has shifted somewhat. Yeah, the girls see the model. They call it cute but phony. And I was like, these little girls don't know what the word phony means, but I like that they used it. And uh, do you get the kind of sense that Gafuliland could be the beginning of Westworld, James? You're right. This is a prequel to Westworld. That's amazing. That's what I'm saying. And, like, Bart is a visionary. Bart is Arnold, okay? So that's why we don't know him. He dies. He gets a partner. 
probably McRugger later from this movie, and and then he kills him. I don't know. Something bad happens. You know what I mean? Right. So maybe before he met Robert Ford, Arnold worked with Bart to make a Wild West theme park. Right. Yeah, it's all coming together. Kafuli Land. So they hear someone coming down the stairs, and they hide under the table, and they overhear Bart monologuing about his plans to demolish the ranch and build this gaudy theme park. By himself. He's just by himself monologuing. Yeah, just in case, you know, you're an eight-year-old child watching this and you haven't put together that the model equals his plan. But anyway, uh, the twins try to warn Natty... Uh, but again, she sides with Bart. They bring Natty to the workshop, but wah, wah, the model is gone. He's hiding it. Bart has gotten one up on them once more. See, they're playing checkers. Bart is playing chess, you know? He really is. Also, he knows how to move a model. Right, and, you know, he's an adult, so he should be able to outwit two eight-year-olds. He should, so Natty, but he doesn't. <laughs> so Bart says that Natty, uh, you know, should just sign the deed now because they're fucked. And so she does. And then when Bart is alone with the twins, he gloats about his victory. Something that happens in this movie a lot is that all the adults leave the children alone and they just leave the room. Like, bye kids, do whatever you want for the next amount of hours. And I was like, that is just not what would happen. I don't know if it would, what, if it was what was happening in 94, but in 2017, you do not just leave children in the middle of a ranch like, good luck. Especially with, with Bart, an accused arsonist, they just leave them with him all the time. Anyway. Hey, they don't know that yet. We're not that far later in the movie. On, right. Walking with George... They talk about how the white man has ruined America. For sure. And this is the conversation they're having. Yeah. And they're like, man, we wish the Indians were still in charge. And George is like, tell me about it. <laughs> I, you're, you're telling me. And, he, you know, they ask him, they ask him uh, what he would do at the land if he got it. And he says, I would start a casino. Ha ha ha. Just kidding. And I was like, ha, Indians are hilarious. Slash, that was a weird line. <laughs> Yeah, they're really tackling all these issues uh, sensitively. Um, basically, <laughs> Bart's desire to destroy the ranch and build a a like a money making theme park is a metaphor for how the white man destroyed the natural world and built this capitalist empire. And George exactly says that exact sentence to the little girls, and they're like, "We get it. We get it a hundred percent." George thinks that Bart has probably hidden the theme park model in his favorite place, which is the hot tub room. Obviously. Sure enough, they find Bart in the hot tub with his model, which is weird that he took the model into the hot tub. Whatever. Mm -hmm. They bring the evidence to Natty, but it's too late because she's already signed the deed over to him. And Bart finally, like, tells his mother who he's been for this whole time. He says he wants to pave it over... 
make a western theme park rides games videos neon he says neon like in that sentence neon's one of the things he wants and he tells his mother like i hate the trees i hate the flowers i hate the animals it was always you and george or you and sarah or you and dad you have never had enough time for me is this and then uh <laughs> and then he finally like this is why i'm gonna burn down the ranch or wanted to burn down the ranch so he admit to, he admitted to trying to burn down the ranch as as a child there the girls are such good detectives they got him at that out of him immediately and then Natty was like, I thought I knew you. And then Bart comes back at her so hard, like, you don't know diddly. You're going to the old folks' home, idiot. He actually said you're going to the old folks' home. <laughs> he said you're going to the old folks' home, old folks home mom. But, like, he might as well have said idiot. And I was like, Jesus Christ, man, that's your mom. You can always tell people or how people are by the way they treat their moms. And Bart is not a nice man. Right, and now that he's in control, he says he's going to banish Steve and his daughters from the property, and he's going to turn lightning into glue. The horse. <laughs> he's going to send the, the horse to the glue factory. Yeah, he just says all the meanest things. His delivery of that line is so great, and he's like, Mom, and your horse and lightning? Sorry, Mom, I'm sending him to the glue factory. Yeah, he's, he's glue like, now. You're going to deal with it. So in that moment, he just crushes his mother's view of him, which is great. And it really feels like he's putting all of his chips on the table there because he has, he, he thinks he has, well, he does have the signed deed. And she says, you know, all these years I couldn't see the truth because I didn't want to. You're just plain rotten. And then uh, over on the side there, all of a sudden, Bart has like a sidekick, the cook, the, the local yeah. cook. And he, Cookie. And, yeah, his name is Cookie. And he rises or raises the Gafuli land flag instead of the American flag. Cookie is like Igor, right? Yeah, or he's like Smee. Right. And then later, Bart is, you know, doing whatever. And a, an egg hits his window, which is like, whoa, who's throwing eggs? And then while he goes and chases down one of the twins, the other twin goes into his office and does something. We don't know yet. But she does something and she gives a thumbs up to the other twin while while Bart is like, how dare you touch my flag? So we know something has happened. See, that's the trick with twins. See, there's two of them. So while you're dealing with one twin, the other twin, you don't even know what they're doing. No, they're just like ghost slash mirror people. It's odd. So with the deed in hand... Uh, they've kind of solved half of their problem, but they learn from George that Bart's Gahuliland dreams are being bankrolled by a rich investor who lives in Denver by the name of Leo McGregor. But it's, to hear the girl, it's the not girls? McGregor, it's McRugger, no? McRugger, M C R U G G E R. It's so dumb. This is like if you've seen the movie The Room. The character Denny, whose name changes in every scene, he's either Denny, Dinny, Donny, or Danny. Nobody says this guy's name right consistently. Can we, for the, for our sakes, just call him Leo, perhaps, or Mister McRugger? Oh, definitely Leo. I don't want to keep saying that last name. I can say either one. The thing is, like, I guess I believe you that his name's Mc, Mc McRugger or McGrugger. I don't know. I, I've lost. Track. I feel. Like, I felt like the other characters were saying McGregor. But Mary-Kate and Ashley were saying, Mick, 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 Grover, Mick, Grover. Yeah, they're tiny, they're tiny little girls. They don't, they don't, they can't say words yet, apparently. 
so yeah, there's a not important. There's a rich businessman who's gonna bankroll it, and they decide they're gonna go to Denver to talk to him on horseback by themselves. Yeah. So from wherever they are, we don't know where they are, because they're on a ranch. I that makes me think they're in Montana. I don't know, but they ride. <laughs> I really like your weird bias for the West. Like, I mean, they they're probably in Montana. They ride lightning all the way, how it, it take, looks like it's about one night, from the ranch to Denver, and they're riding the horse through the streets of Denver, and all the locals think that this is great. Yeah, you can hear people say, like, where on earth are their parents? And the twins uh, look down to a car next to them and ask how to get to 7th Street, and then a little girl is like, it's over there, silly! And right when that happened, I, I, like... I was like, that's probably Elizabeth Olsen, right? I mean, if you have if you have a Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen movie and you have a tinier Olsen, you probably also put it in there. And I looked it up, and it was Elizabeth Olsen. It's the Scarlet Witch. Really? Yeah, the little girl in the car. It was is the more in my mind talented Olsen sister. Scarlet Witch is played by an Olsen sister. Yeah, man. Wow. Yeah. The things you don't know. The things I don't know. We're all learning. Fill a library. Aw, that's not nice. Yeah, the twins march into the office building unannounced. They encounter Leo's receptionists, and it's a pair of old ladies who are also twins. And this was my favorite part of the movie, because these old twin ladies are the same old twin ladies from Count Olaf's acting troupe. Really? In the new... Yes. The new A Series of Unfortunate Events Netflix series. I knew they looked familiar. I had just watched the new Lemony Snicket, which, by the way, is pretty good. It's super sad. Damn good. It's so good. It's just super sad. But that's so cool. I didn't know they were the same ones. Yeah, at some point they do, like, a twin trope. One of them says, he's too busy, and the other one says, to see you. And then one of the Olsen goes, will, and the other one goes, wait. And I was like, ha ha ha, twin jokes. Yeah, I had to look it up because they looked so familiar. And this is like their their second role. <laughs> they're always cast together. And this is the second movie they made it in was How the West Was Fun. And now they're in uh, Lemony Snicket. Good for them. That's so neat. But yeah, they're told they need to wait because they're in an important business meeting. Uh, a coffee tray cart comes by and... That gets the go-ahead to enter the meeting, and so the girls sneak into it so they can get their way into the meeting. Although, those those old lady secretaries didn't seem that diligent. They probably could have just gone in. Yeah, they're not good at their jobs. McGregor tells the kids that they're going to enjoy the theme park, but the twins argue against the manufactured entertainment of a commercial theme park and argue instead for the rustic and wholesome entertainment of the great outdoors yeah they say the ranch made a bunch of money before they even were thinking of making it a theme park and you know come to the ranch and see uh how the west was fun they said the actual name of the movie james oh so that's why it's called that yeah that's the only reason because so far like you know yeah maybe they're a little bit west if they're in colorado but they haven't been having a lot of fun. See, shit's been going pretty bad for them. Yeah, they're sort of just learning, like, how evil and bad the real world is. And they're like, come have fun! Or come be, like, utterly destroyed like we're being. 
At first, the board members laugh at their naivete, but eventually McGregor's inspired by their tenacity. After the invitation, he's like, oh, that'd be great, but we're not going to go. And she's there. And the twins say, hey, if you don't accept our invitation, we're going to take our story to the press. And this is going to look really bad for your company, whatever company that is. Which is a pretty good lesson for children. If you don't get what you want, just blackmail people. So, yeah, with the threat of blackmail hanging over his head, he's like, all right, whatever, everybody. Starting tomorrow, we're all going on a ranch trip. Forget the important business things we had to do to keep our company going. Impromptu ranch retreat. (laughs) And as they're leaving, he's like, how did you get here? And they're like, we got here on the horse we rode in on, which I thought was a pretty funny. I liked it. And then he was like, take the train home. So they do. And they cut to like a horse on the train. It's hilarious. Steven is worried sick, and rightly so, because the twins have been missing for probably more than 24 hours now. They could have called the police. They're just gone. Laura's so, so like, they're fine. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, no, they're probably just going for a ride. It's been days. It's been days, Laura. (laughs) This is why you can't be their new mom. Steve isn't apparently that worried, because he goes right from that conversation with flirting with Laura a little bit more. Yeah, he's trying to get it. And then the girls ride up. Uh, okay, thank God. During then, when he was hitting on her, he was like, I guess you moving to the city would be out of the question. And then she said, what question? Laura says that back. And I was like, ooh, that's like a decent line in a Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen movie. <laughs> so the banker and Bart are having some kind of meeting at the bank, and they tell all the employees how they're all going to profit from this new theme park. And at this point, Bart realizes that his deed has been stolen and it's been replaced by a crude anti-semitic drawing that the girls drew (laughs) yeah that's what the girls were doing when when they when they distracted him earlier with the flag thing they they swiped and 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 pre made a copy slash or like just put that drawing in there i didn't see it as anti-semitic but now that you say it now that now that we're talking about or uh, putting these all together, uh, I think the Olsen twins have some uh, some awful biases towards groups of human beings. Yeah, they're a bunch of blue-eyed, blonde-haired Nazi super sisters. I don't know. I don't know about that, but sh- but, but definitely. <laughs> Stephen worries about how they're going to pay for all of this shit that they have to put on for McGregor's corporate event. Laura says that she'll get a loan using her horse as collateral. Laura, that's the horse you use for work. You can't just put your horse up for collateral. That's too much. I can't risk you losing him. It's like in the Broadway show Oklahoma, one of the characters like sells his horse to like take this girl on a date or something. That's what it reminded me of. Anyway, <laughs> this is a really strange plot point now. So the girls insist that Laura not sell her horse because they don't want to share their plans with her because they don't want Laura to replace their dead mom. This is a problem now. Okay, so you remember back then when I was like, hey, remember this moment where 
they were talking about Laura and if Steve liked her. And then they, the other one was like, yeah, head over heels. Let's just keep moving on to another situation and not really talk about this or like make it clear to anyone that we feel negatively about this. And like all of a sudden now they're like, no, Laura can't be our new mom. You don't want me to be your new mom slash on your team. Like she basically says like, you don't want me to be on your team. Laura asks them that. And then they look down and then they're like, we didn't mean to hurt her feelings. And then her dad, their dad's like, well, you did. You did hurt her feelings. But like this was so misplaced. They did not they didn't they didn't give us any of this leading up to this, but they had like it felt so like okay, we got to put the new mom stuff here and we got to make them like be mean to her so that they can make up to her and at the end it's happier. I think that kids can deal with complicated emotions. There's certainly a lot of kids movies that tackle being sad or loss my girl or yeah my girl stepmom sure there are there other movies other than my girl but no they take the easy way out nobody's sad about the mom unless it's important for the plot laura insists that she's gonna help and sell her horse for the ranch and not for them and then she rides away kind of dejected she truly is the best actress in this movie even the person voicing her is... Yeah, seriously. The person voicing her is great. She is. She's really good. They probably got, like, a, a talented voice actor. They're like, yeah, the the director's wife, who's Scandinavian, doesn't come off as convincibly American, so we'll get this this American voice actress to play her. And then when they put the two together, it was gold. Bart returns to the ranch in a rage, demanding the real deed, and they won't give it over to him. His mom has decided to defraud her own son by saying that she never signed a deed uh bart promises to put her in an even shittier old folks home i loved that response it's like oh you're not giving me the deed oh yeah well the old folks home you're going to just got a way shittier all right and as bart drives away george is like drive careful inferring that he hopes he has a car accident yeah george threatens to hurt him he does something with his fists so cue a really short getting shit ready montage and in in so the girls apologize to Laura at some point. Yeah, but she's like, it's okay, girls. I am not a settle down kind of type, especially like, wishes, especially with like a city slicker like your dad. That's not for me. So don't worry about me. So they just like leave the flowers that they got for her at her feet. And then she sits up and looks at the flowers like, I don't know, maybe I could be their new mom. McGregor and his associates arrive and they're welcomed warmly, but Bart is watching from far away. He's with Cookie at what I assume is Cookie's cabin, and he vows to ruin the trip. Something the evil guy would definitely do. As the cowboys are the new cowboys, McGregor and friends get out of their van. They all have giant denim suits on, like giant denim coats and huge black hats, and McGregor is... Wearing, like, a red lightning button-up. I'm trying to just get across to you that they all look really dumb. The next day, they're going to start the horse-riding event, but all the horses are gone, having been driven away by Bart. Oh, Bart, what, what do you... Come on. <laughs> so Steven decides to stall them with a horse safety demonstration while George and Laura go look for replacement horses. 
And, you know, the demonstration's going badly because Steve doesn't know anything about horses. And then when finally that Leo and friends get really like, well, no, we're done with this. I want to just ride a horse. The back door opens up and there are a bunch of horses there with George and Laura. And then as the uh, the other people are getting on the horses, they're like, yay, ready. They're fun. They're ready to have fun. Laura's like, these aren't normal horses. They're wild Mustangs. And then I was like, then why would you let this happen? Yeah, this is a huge liability. <laughs> you know, uh, you can go ahead and ask Christopher Reeves if it's okay to just be casually thrown off a horse. Like, people die that way or get lifelong in- like injuries. Turns out, though, it's just good old fun this time where the horses are just like a little bit mean to the people and they don't get on them. They're like, oh, no, these horses are mean. I guess we should get away from them. The next scene, you just imagine they're going whitewater rafting, but Bart puts a hole in the raft. You know the drill. And the girls are like, the way we make this better is we make it a competition because McGregor is a control freak. And then as he can, McGregor, like it once is a race, he gets into the uh, raft and actually says the line, I'm going to be the champion of the universe. And then the raft sinks predictably. Yeah, that goes poorly, too. The twins are starting to get desperate, and George tells them that they need to go on a spirit journey. Uh, okay. Because he's Native American, guys. He's Native American, so he's the one who tells them about all the Native American stuff. For dinner, there's a barbecue, but Bart sabotages the grill somehow and blows it up, and MacGruber's getting really angry. MacGruber! So, um, he, like... he makes it explode he literally puts an explosive near the grill that is not fun family time that is yeah cookie cookie should be dead he should be that's just straight up murder they have to end up eating canned beans for dinner uh and everyone's really miserable the twins try to say that it's bart's fault but mcsteamy doesn't give a fuck and he storms off angrily deciding for sure that he's going to be turning this place into a theme park. And Bart is psyched, and then suddenly, a musical number. Yeah, the, Laura, Steven, and the twins are roasting marshmallows, and at first, the girls are singing, and then slowly it just becomes the soundtrack. The song is okay. The twins are really bad singers, and they're not even singing, they're like sing-talking like William Shatner, and they're doing a bad job of it. You know, before this, I was like, maybe it's just because they're seven years old and they can't sing. But I've seen talent shows, James. I know some seven-year-olds can sing. These are just two little seven-year-olds who cannot sing. And all the adults were like, no, you'll be fine. You can just get professional singers and dub them over. You dubbed all of Laura's lines. No, we're keeping this one genuine, James. So that night while they're sleeping, the girls go on a spirit journey. It's only like two or three seconds long and, you know, they they hear messages about how they have to harness their inner power. And it's basically like the special stuff from Space Jam. It's just a placebo. They need to know that they have power. By the way, Steve and Laura embrace and then kiss at the fire the night before. Like, they just just randomly kiss. Uh, So now the twins have the mysterious plan. But before they put it in action, they have to deal with Bart. So they go along with George, and we get another <laughs> racist trope where, like, George can track. He's just a normal guy. He's just a normal dude who rides a bike. 
But because he's North Native American, he can track white people. Can you track? And he's like, uh, can a frog catch a fly? So all Indians are trackers, guys. They find Bart's, like, shitty mobile home out in the woods. It's got a sign on it that says, Gahuli Land Temporary Headquarters. Hilarious. They tell Bart to come out. And they're like, come out and face us, Bart. And he's like, well, to do that, I'd have to be in a hole. Which I thought was foreshadowing. Yeah, but turns out it's just fun. <laughs> as soon as he steps out, he uh, he triggers a snare, which wraps around his ankle and pulls him into the air. And now he's hanging there upside down. Haha, <laughs> got him. Back at the ranch, using reverse psychology, <laughs> the girls entice... McGregor and the rest of his friends into going on a treasure hunt to find the hidden gold mine. Oh yeah, there's a hidden gold mine? We didn't talk about this. <laughs> they mentioned that there's a hidden gold mine on the ranch somewhere. And McPoyle is like, what's one more day? You know? Uh, Natty has a sick fanny pack on. I thought I'd tell you all that. It's an important part of the uh, of the movie that her fanny pack is really great. They get on all the horses and they're gonna find gold. It's really pointless to describe what happens next. You know what's going to happen if you've ever seen a kid's movie. They go after the treasure on horseback, and in looking for the treasure, they, you know, enjoy the good side of being on a ranch. The treasure was the journey, James. Bart tries to escape the snare, but he can't. Laura is bonding with the girls. McGruber is loving this gold search. Eventually... Bart does escape when Cookie shows up to save him. And they go after the other characters on on one of the rafts. And eventually, the little girls find the other halves of the stones they found earlier after following all the clues and finally getting to the fool's gold. I mean... Oh, you just ruined it, man. You ruined the whole movie. Regular gold. It's regular and it's (laughs) not. It's definitely real. It's not. It was fool's gold. (laughs) Yeah, they 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 enjoy a brief moment of of wonder, but then Natty shows up and she starts laughing and she's like, "This is all fool's gold." Her laugh was like too evil, right? Yeah, she's very much a cackler. The twins are disappointed, but the executives all had a nice time. Grubermeister changes his mind about the theme park. He's like, "You should run this gold hunt every day." Yeah, while well, he's in the cave he's like this is better than treasure island it's like aladdin's cave which i i like when when movies talk about other movies so so that's fun and yeah they're like the journey is the ranch it's not what you find that matters it's the fun you have looking for it and one of the execs was like i mean i had a good time i even like found one of the clues sort of yeah that guy was really happy to have a line he was psyched bart shows up and he threatens the twins but uh, Majigger and the adults arrive and they threaten to have him arrested. I don't I don't see that he's committed any crimes up to this point, but whatever. You know, he's just being a meanie. They're the ones that detained him against his will and, and put him in, in harm's way by snaring him and tying him up. Whatever. It's okay. This next thing he does is probably against the law. Yeah, he grabs the twins and he pulls them onto the raft and they're screaming for help. They, they, you know, don't worry. It's not too dangerous. They have time to put on life preservers and helmets. Even yeah, they're being kidnapped. It's hilarious. Like as they get on, they're like, "What do we do, Dad?" And he's like, "Definitely put on life preservers and helmets." 
Uh, they, it doesn't matter whether it's a chase sequence or not, James. There are rules. Yeah, there's like a five-minute chase sequence. Every shot is the same. What is his plan? What is Bart's plan? Yeah. Is he gonna? I have no idea. Is he gonna murder these little girls, James? And how is he? <laughs> is his? It sounds like his plan is that we're gonna white ride a raft so hard that you're gonna fall off and drown like idiots. <laughs> so maybe he was gonna kidnap them and ransom the ranch or the deed in return for their safety. I mean, but it's like you're not gonna get get away with that, Bart. Everyone's gonna know where you are. You're at the ranch. Yeah. Or no, he's at the bottom of the river, James. He's totally fucked the deal with McGregor. That's not going to happen anymore. Definitely not. So, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, like you said, he just he wants to get them thrown from the boat, but he doesn't want to do it himself. I don't know. He doesn't like to get his hands dirty. Yeah, he's so he also, weird. He, he totally betrays Cookie in this moment, too. His only friend. Yeah, he pushes them into the water. I'm like, why, Cookie? Why? But the kids eventually escape when they grab onto a small overpassing bridge. And as it turns out, they took the wrong river, and they're going towards a dam. Yeah, Bart's raft goes through the dam and over a waterfall, and he disappears in the waves, and I thought he was dead. I almost, I thought he was definitely, well, I thought he should be dead, but I knew he wasn't. This is a Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen movie. Nobody can die. They can die in Disney movies, apparently, but not in Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen movies. Well, their mom died off screen. Yeah, off screen deaths are fine. On screen deaths are tough. So that night, uh, they all have a good time at an old fashioned hoedown, and all the characters square dance for what like is like another five minute sequence. Bart is there, and he's he's terribly wounded. All his limbs are broken, and he's in a neck brace. During this dance, Natty shouts the catchphrase of Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen from Full House. Party on, dudes. They, you know, they close in on the bass as the bass is dropping it. You know, the really dope dance music. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they hang out with the picture of the bass for a really long time as he's just slapping it. Back at the wigwam where this journey got started, the twins are writing in their own diary and they're going to leave it next to their mom's diary. Uh, they're like, oh, we have a new member of our family. It's Laura, and we're all together. And we found the most wonderful place on Earth, and we saved the ranch from Bart. We found lightning. George is our Indian friend now. He tells us all the Indian things because we're slightly racist, but we don't know it because we're being racist, but the adults haven't told us we're being racist. And later in life, when we watch this, we're going to be like, eek, that was tough times. And then from our mother's diary, we got to know her better. And she's a lot like us, which is really neat. And Laura is here now, and she's wonderful, and we're all a team, except for that one moment in this movie that felt odd. But whatever, just forget about that one, because tomorrow looks like a wonderful day. And I love the West. And the last line, James, the West was sure fun. It was fun. Yeah, roll credits. <laughs> they didn't They didn't ride off into the sunset. This is bullshit. This is Horse crap. I turned off the movie. Thought to myself, how dare I spend the time to watch that? No horse going into the horizon? Ha! <laughs> More sounds that are derogatory. So, I gotta believe that this entire story is one dream sequence, because they never wrapped up who sent the letter. That never was addressed. Also, they traveled from wherever they are to Denver... They're supposed to be in the Wild West, so probably in the American Southwest. 
and then they just go to Denver on horseback. That Clearly, that's not possible. You can't get a horse on a train. George does all this magic shit, so I'm going to go ahead and say none of this was real. And they didn't really wake up at the beginning of the movie. This is all one prolonged dream sequence, probably being have by the dad. The dad is probably dreaming all this. We know none of that, James. And we, you are a naysayer. This is what you are. You're a naysayer who thinks this all could be a dream. I believe in magic. I believe in the power of the West. And I believe in tiny little twins who save the day. So how dare you? I've seen a lot of kids' movies. There was a time in my life where I was like, oh, kids' movies are just money-making schemes. There's nothing artistic about them. But I've since then, I've really changed that position after seeing a lot of super quality kids movies like uh the fantastic mr fox or Coraline, um zootopia is a recent one and i read a good review where they say that like a good kids movie should should play up to the kids level not down to the kids level and that this movie definitely is like the lowest common denominator of of looking down on kids and underestimating them and what what they can handle. And I still liked it way more than Cowboys and Aliens. I I don't accept that. You just beat a jerk. <laughs> I well, you can accept it or not accept it, James. It's the cold hard truth. I'd probably have to give this movie Yeah, I have to give it an F. <laughs> it doesn't really succeed anywhere. I feel like even as a kid's movie like, you can't just get away with making a shitty movie and be like, oh, it's for kids, so it's okay that it's shitty. Kids are stupid. They don't know what's good. Show them anything. I don't know. I like that they, they had some moments in this movie where they taught children things. I don't know. I feel like I do have a little bit of a bias just because I watched these movies when I was a kid and I give them the benefit of the doubt. Obviously, they're dumb. They're the worst. Like, obviously, they're the worst. If if you go into this movie, you're like, this better be good. Then you're an idiot. You're a dumb little idiot. And don't worry about that. It's not supposed to be about that. It's supposed to just be about Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen having a weird kind of adventure where they put all the tropes that they can think of for the things that they're doing within the movie and they just smash them all in there. No new moms. West, west, west no new mom like that's all this was so if you don't like no new moms this is the west this is our these are twins and uh, mcgruber and if you don't like any of that stuff i would not watch this movie. also like don't watch this movie unless you have children right like no adult should actually watch this movie unless they're us and uh through a a some a recommendation of my girlfriend that was a joke and i told james and he was like yes now i've watched how the west was fun again as an adult not a lot of people can say that and i'll tell you right now i don't know it was fine it wasn't great <laughs> <laughs> if i'm stretching to think of things that i liked about this movie uh shit <laughs> well, the, the uh the main theme was like a a a a retake on the song Home on the Range, but it was different. It was like orchestral and it it kind of used that as a basis, but but it was a little different and I liked that. Wow, um, you are scrounging around. 
Martin Mole is a little funny with what he has to work with. I feel like he improved a lot, and that came through. Absolutely. Um, the voice actress that voiced Laura was pretty good. I hated Natty. Natty and Steve are the worst. Natty was bad. Steve was bad. Honestly, they were both worse than the Olsen twins. Best actor in the whole thing was Elizabeth Olsen as little girl. Yeah, she killed her one line. George was okay, but God, like, I, it's hard. You could debate, like, who is a less sensitive portrayal of a Native American? George in How the West Was Fun or Tonto in The Lone Ranger? The answer is Tonto in The Lone Ranger, but there's an argument to be made. There's literally, the only reason the answer is Tonto is because it's Johnny Depp. If you had put an Indian in that role, then the obvious answer is George and How the West Was Fun, because it's just straight up racist sometimes. James, I'm, I think I'm done talking about How the West Was Fun. I, I, I can't do it anymore. And... I want to know what we're watching next week. And I honestly don't even know because we haven't made up this. We haven't made it up yet. What do you want to watch next week? Please, for the love of gosh, tell me it's not something like how the West was fun. (laughs) So we have a tweet from Greg Young at HB Greg. He says, I enjoyed your recap. Can I cast a vote for Unforgiven as a future show? Oh, God. I mean, yes. Is is Unforgiven a a series or a movie? It's a movie. And it's... It's right up there with the good and the bad of the ugly for being, like, top five. These are the westerns you should see if you like westerns. I've seen Unforgiven. It's amazing. But the reason I said, oh, my God, was because it's a western. It's a true, true western with Clint Eastwood. So, it's so long. But let's, if we're, if we're doing it, we're doing it, James. Oh, yes. It's two hours and ten minutes, man. Yeah, of course it is. I mean, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen movies are short, but you can add you add a western to it, and it just pounds on, packs on an hour. So yeah, you guys, look what happens. We got a single tweet, and now we're watching that movie. <laughs> yeah, it turns out uh, if you just if you just sorry, tell us what to do, we'll do it. Sorry, Stu, we will get to a million ways to die in the West eventually, but uh, we we just did a comedy question mark, and so now we're gonna do some more serious fare. Join us next week for. 1992's Unforgiven, starring Clint Eastwood. I'm excited. Thanks again for listening, guys. You made it all the way to the end. We really appreciate everybody who just listens. If you want to go the extra mile, you could follow us on Twitter, at WestworldRyan. You could follow us on SoundCloud. You could uh, send us a nice review on iTunes, which helps other people find us. Or just share it by word of mouth. If you know people who like recaps or westerns, uh send them our way yeah we appreciate everyone who's like still watching there's a good amount of people still watching james and i honestly i was impressed i i assumed as westworld stopped we would we would fall our numbers would fall a bunch and and they they obviously have felt fallen off but like when we post an episode people start watching it immediately like it's it's i it's so super neat for y'all to be listening to us talk about Western movies. I don't even know if, if most of you are watching these movies. You're probably just like listening to this and be like, I don't think I should watch any of these movies now. I pretty much just watched it because you guys explained it to me. And then at the end told me it was bad. So uh, thanks guys. Really did. I don't, I don't even have to watch anything anymore. I'm James. <laughs> and I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld podcast.